0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels. My name is Patrick Beja, and this is a show where we cover the gaming news for the past couple of weeks. We cover the news and the uh, games that have been coming out, and we try to put a slight analysis spin uh, to it so we can navigate the treacherous waters of the video games industry. And today I have a first timer on the show. Very glad to welcome Kate Gray. How are you doing, Kate?
1: Hi, I'm good. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks for being on. Um, so since this is your first time, um, we could say a few words about uh, what you do. You're an independent game journalist from the UK and you write for a number of publications. Uh, <laughs> can you say a few words about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so as you said, I'm a, I'm a games journalist. Uh, So that's what I do for my job. Um, In my spare time, I'm also, I make games, or well, I've started making games. Uh, I make Twitter bots, which is always fun. Uh, And I do a podcast called Toku Podcast. So all about video games and other things.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being on. Um, We have a number of topics to discuss today. Uh, The first one is going to be the Switch again, which i I don't like talking about the same thing several shows in a in a row, but when Nintendo comes out with a new console, that is obviously a big topic so it's no surprise we're going to be talking about it pretty much incessantly until it comes out, which is only a month away holy crap. Um, (laughs) We also have uh, the ZeniMax Oculus trial that has been resolved. We have uh, Resident Evil 7, which just came out, but both of us are too big of wusses to actually play (laughs) it. So we're going to have a few things to talk about uh, there. Um, And then a bunch of other news. But let's start with Nintendo and the news about the Switch, um, so let me cover all of these uh, bits and then I'll ask you your opinion about the Switch in general as well, which I think is always uh, good to get you know more uh, takes on that console. Um, but first, uh, Kimishima uh, during the uh, an interview with Nikkei, which is a Japanese uh, economics. Uh, newspaper mentioned that the price of the online service uh, will be relatively low and that's probably a good thing because we were not super hyped about having to pay another uh, for yet another service uh, for gaming and uh, it's gonna be around two to three thousand yen which is let's say around 20 to 25 bucks so I wouldn't be surprised if it was rounded up to 30 euros here in Europe but we'll see um, and you know euros are that currency that you're you um, not very fond of in the uk so i don't know how <laughs> much it is in pounds <laughs> <Me> um, <either>. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably about the same uh, mm. they're pledging that they're going to keep making nintendo 3ds games which i have questions about and then um, he's saying the most controversial statement is that they're hoping to sell as many switch consoles as the Wii, more or less. And if you remember, the Wii is their most successful console ever. Uh, it was by leaps and bounds more uh, successful than any, you know, console at the time. It sold hundred over 100 million units in the end. Um, that's a super bold statement. And I understand optimism and you want to, you know, be a cheerleader for your products. But that is, seems to me more like... Uh, denial of reality than (laughs) um, than like a bold prediction but I don't know what's your take on all of those and then you know on the on the switch in general
1: um well I mean the first thing I'm thinking is that uh if they're still making 3ds games that's interesting um I think the 3ds is probably my favorite console of all time so I'd like to see them still support it but at the same time if they If they make everything that comes to 3DS from now on also a Switch game, then I would be very, very tempted to get a Switch. At the moment, I'm not. Um, Which, you know, did everybody buy a Wii at launch? Probably not. Uh, So I don't think it's going to sell as many copies or copies consoles (laughs) as the Wii, for sure. Like, of course, it's not. Um, I can see that they're going really hard on that, you know, by making all the... uh, the adverts be like, "Oh, look, normal people playing video <laughs> games at parties, like normal people do, and not like, in their bedroom."
0: <laughs> how the, how does that even? I mean, it, th- this is ridiculous, right? People bringing their Wii at parties and playing like one two switch while the music is going on in the background and people are drinking beer. That doesn't. It's dumb, right? It's not just yeah. Me. It's
1: it's a little bit uh, I don't know condescending, maybe. Uh, The idea that like people can't enjoy games in a traditional way, you know, like in their bedroom, just like wearing pants. Um, (laughs) I I don't know. The way I
0: enjoy video games is without wearing pants. I'm just that must be just me. But uh, yeah, no, but I Um, I agree. It it is condescending.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I know why they're doing it. They're trying to copy Xbox and, and PlayStation, but they're not. I don't really think they're understanding Like, Xbox and PlayStation are still marketing towards their core audience, I would say. Um, Like, the fact that Nintendo are going, yeah, you can take it to parties, you can play it under a bridge. Like, no one does that. No one does that. (laughs) Even with, like, the consoles you can already, like, carry around. Like, no one is playing PS Vita under a railway bridge. Like, no. Well, that's because no one
0: is playing PS Vita, period. That might be why. But (laughs) I own one. I, I... I have the right to say it because I own one and I love it, but yeah, no, I, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe let's be a cheerleader for the Wii, for the Wii, for the Switch here. (laughs) Maybe, you know, no one is going to go and play it at parties and like in those situations, but the fact that you can bring it with you and, and split the controllers means that you might play it in the train or, you know, you just happen to have it during a, picnic and for an hour during that four hours picnic you just pull it out and and start playing f- with your friends for a little while it, it I don't I don't know I don't think that's going to be the I think the main thing is that this is not going to be the focus I don't think of the way people play it but other people are already going to buy it anyway I think um, the people who love Nintendo games are already going to buy it but I'm curious, you as someone who loves your 3DS, mm. why aren't you interested in that one? It's going to be a better version of that kind of, isn't it?
1: Well, only if Nintendo supports it, right. Um, now that they're going for like the same audience as they went for with the Wii, uh, which is more sort of casual, um, not in a bad way, but you know, people who don't want to play the latest Ubisoft game or whatever, um, people who aren't interested in online multiplayer um i i wonder if they're going to start making games more like what they did with the Wii where it was like Wii music and Wii fit and i'm not interested in those games mm. um so if they for me what would what would bring me to the switch is if they put a bunch of games on there that they have on the 3DS so things like fire emblem animal crossing pokemon um things that are great on handhelds um if they could get like a persona on there that would be great um more stuff like the vita that would be, like, really, really cool. And then on top of that, the the sort of large games that you normally only get on a home console. So, you know, your Zeldas and... Oh, God, what else? I'm not that interested in, in the Mario game, to be honest. But, what? Um, what? Oh, I just think it looks a bit... Eh.
0: Oh, so it's <laughs> not Mario games in general. It's just this one specifically. Oh. Uh, you d- okay you're mario not a mario fan okay all right all right <laughs> I, I, my heart is bleeding a little bit right now but i okay i get it but so you're not impressed by the the things we've uh seen announced on the switch at this point like zelda splatoon mario kart uh mario odyssey that's not rocking your boat um
1: mario kart's just i've already played it um It's a good game, but times? Uh, it came out like two years ago. Mm. uh So I, there's not that much. So do you have a Wii U?
0: To
1: it. I do. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I used to work for Nintendo magazine. I had to have a Wii U.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the caveat there. Uh, yeah. So you had to have one. uh well, Mine was yeah. a gift. Uh, I I enjoyed it thoroughly, but yeah, it was a gift. Um, Okay, it was a gift actually by my ex-Blizzard co-workers. So there you go, gaming (laughs) industry for the win. Uh, What about the online service though? It's going to be free until probably uh, the fall and then let's say roughly 20 pounds a year. Would Mm -hmm. that be, I, I don't know, that doesn't, I mean, it's kind of... For me, well, maybe I'm going to pay for it, but reluctantly and because it's cheaper, but it's not like I'm, oh, yay, it's it's cheaper and they include fun things with it. So I'm going to be paying it gladly. It's like, ah, fine, whatever, probably, <laughs> you know, it's not generating a lot of love for me. I don't know about, yeah. are, you, are you seduced by the... um free nes or snes game that they're gonna rent you for a month and then take away
1: no no not at all um if it was like xbox gold or ps plus where the games every month were
0: really good you keep right yeah
1: yeah um i'm not like i'm not gonna buy the online service um for multiplayer because like i don't play online multiplayer nintendo games there aren't Mm. that many um Like, it's like Mario Kart and, I don't know, they've got rid of me first. Splatoon, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I just, I'm not going to get it for that. And the games aren't enticing enough. So, I guess I'm just not going to get it. (laughs) bit weird.
0: (laughs) Well, let's, you know what, by the end of the year, as we've said multiple times, maybe we'll have uh, changed our tune. We'll see. Yeah, Mm.
1: I hope so. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, they also reported uh, over a 500 million dollars profit uh, for Pokemon games, and that includes uh, Pokemon Go, which mm. by some analysis uh, analysis, Analysts' uh, (laughs) estimations has grossed over $1 billion. So you have to remember Pokemon Go is developed by Niantic, which for the Pokemon uh, company of which uh, Nintendo only owns a third. So it's not like, you know, it's all in their pocket, but still. Um, And then they have 5% of the 78 million people who downloaded Mario Run, um, who paid the 10 bucks for the full game. So 5% of 78, that's what? 4 million roughly. So 40 million bucks, a little bit under that. That's not bad. It's certainly not the kind of money that the free-to-play games are making, the successful free-to-play games uh, are making on iOS and Android. But 40 million uh, just on iOS, that's that's not a bad payday. I'm guessing the game didn't cost 40 million to to make so i don't Mm. know no, you don't seem impressed Uh. (laughs) (laughs) did you buy it
1: um yes i did yeah
0: are you gonna be going back i i can see you know i can feel the enthusiasm (laughs) in your voice are you gonna go back to it for the easy mode update that they just added
1: Uh, No, I I feel like I'm coming across really negative about games. I just like, I I have very little free time to play games. So I kind of just want to keep like moving and keep playing (laughs) new stuff. I'm so far behind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's fair
0: (laughs) enough. Well, we'll talk about Fire Emblem uh, Heroes in just a little bit. But before that, um, the ZeniMax uh, Oculus Trial... Has been uh, has already been uh, concluded, and that was the conclusion was, ZeniMax is going to get a lot of money from Oculus slash Facebook. Basically, um, it is five hundred million awarded for a number of different issues, but the main one is breach of uh, NDA, uh, and the consequence might be that ZeniMax. Well, ZeniMax is saying that they might seek an injunction to hold the sales of uh, the Oculus Rift. And Carmack, which is, you know, he's the guy who was, everyone knows Carmack, right? John Carmack. And he was contesting the result and saying that he didn't do the things they concluded he did. And it's a kind of a mess, but... Uh, it's, I don't know. I'm guessing that Oculus is gonna uh, go for an appeal at the same time. They probably don't want to drag this out for too long, but uh, kind of a little bit unexpected that Danny Max is getting that much money for it. I don't know exactly where the truth lies in all of that very complicated um uh trial, but um, the one thing I'm Taking away from it is if ZeniMax uh, wants to halt the sales of the the Rift, that's going to be a huge hit, and I'm guessing um, Facebook might pay more to make ZeniMax go away completely. But uh, that was a little bit unexpected.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you do you see this as I don't know ZeniMax like looking for an easy payday, or do you think they have? Uh, grounds for their complaints
1: god I, I don't know i mean it wasn't something that i i had much of an eye on because to be honest i don't, I don't really um care that much about either company um so <laughs> it kind of just seems you're another like you're fan I uh, i can't afford vr at the moment um <laughs> and if i could like i don't really think there's that much going on in it i i got to play psvr for like a whole day um and i had a great time with it but the idea of spending like 3 to 700 pounds on something that i would use less than a console is like mad i i, I can't do that like <laughs> i i have other things that i need to buy more more urgently than like a Nintendo than switch no okay <laughs> uh, i guess i mean i'm i'm going to be in america when it comes out so it might be a bit cheaper um, but also then I'd have to like take it around with me in my suitcase and maybe that would be quite fun actually. Cause then I could play it like when I'm wandering yeah, around America, exactly. going to all the parties. And, right. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. And when you get back on the plane, um, yeah. you can play it there too. I bought my PlayStation 4 in the U S and it was fine. I took it like the actual box on, uh, on the plane and that was fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah okay well i mean that sounds fun i was gonna take my 3ds with me anyway
0: well you can't have both as nintendo is saying they're gonna keep supporting the 3ds so you they're they're both working together um (laughs) right but so the the zenimax uh trial it was definitely a surprise that they they won that much at least for me yeah um but We'll see the the if they do go for a uh an injunction against the sale of the the rift that's going to be a much bigger deal than, than just you know winning uh the trial mm. but we'll see these mm. kinds of things take forever yes um talking about vr let's move on to resident evil 7 which uh as i mentioned during the beginning of the show i personally Was interested in, but at the same time, I'm kind of over the super scary stuff that includes movies and games. And Resident Evil 7 is definitely freaking scary. And Mm -hmm. uh, I did... Try the demo. I I figured, you know, I can try the demo, the new one that just came out um, before I decide whether or not I want to buy the game. And there is a VR mode and it's I'll say a few words about it in a minute. But um, so you're just as scared of it. This isn't, you know, a review show. So it's not like we expect uh, everyone to uh, review the games we try. This is just a quick impressions. But you did um, uh, play uh, with it just a little bit and, and watch someone play, which I think is fair for Resident Evil. Um, what are your impressions on this?
1: Um, uh, so Resident Evil is one of those series that I, I kind of missed, uh, when I was younger. Um, which is probably fair because it's very, it's very scary. And I don't tend to play scary games cause I'm a wuss. Uh, but I, I kind of wanted to see, like everyone was saying it was really good. Um, so I went around to my friend's house uh, and she was playing it and so i watched her play a bit of it and it was great because um uh, there was another one of my friends there and they'd kind of got this whole um tactic down and so they were kind of just like yelling at each other all their different <laughs> tactics and i was like well this is this is one way to experience the game i guess um and i was hiding behind a pillow the whole time even when like nothing scary was happening because they were so like hyped up about the the scary moments they were like screaming even though nothing was there they were very freaked out about there was, there's a grandma character mm. she's like sitting in a wheelchair and and she can't like move or talk or or anything um she's kind of she looks lifeless which you know in in a in a scary game you know at some point she's probably gonna like stand up and like attack you uh but the thing that they that really freaked them out was that her wheelchair kept just like Moving, I guess, of its own accord. Like they'd go around the corner, and she'd be there, and they'd be like ah, and then they'd swear, and I'd be like ah. And the fact that they were like so tense about like just a woman in a wheelchair just appearing um, made me feel really tense, and I was already really tense. So yeah, it was it was terrifying. <laughs>
0: I think I think this is a testament to how much of its goal this game is achieving. You know, yeah. these kinds of moments where. It's, it's a cheap scare, but still you expect someone to be at some point, you know, in, in some location in the house and all of a sudden you turn around and where there was nothing, there mm-hmm. they are. I understand it's cheap, but it's a huge departure for Resident Evil that had gone so much in the action uh, aspect of the game that it sort of lost uh, almost its, uh, its scary uh, uh, qualities at least in the past few games. And uh, in this one, it definitely works. It's very different from the other Resident Evils, but it it works to the point that, you know, even playing the demo, I was like, I don't think I want to play that game. I don't know how much of a, you know, positive uh, uh, impression that is, but it's like, it's too scary. And I don't really like, I don't want to inflict negative emotions on on myself i think age might have something to do with it i was much less concerned with these things when i was younger um (laughs) and um and it just it just works it's creepy it's it's really scary and i've tried the uh vr version of that and there are two elements to this for me First of all, it is even more scary. As I've said, those games that manage to put you in a place, well, like Batman, you know, Arkham VR and well, this one really it amplify whatever feeling you're having of presence. And in this one it does work. However, um the control scheme didn't really work for me all that well. Um what the way they do it is that you can move around as you do as, in a regular first-person game, uh, but when you turn, you turn in thirty degrees increments. So when Whoa. you go left or right, it's just going to snap thirty degrees left or right. And the reason is it's got, it it minimizes uh, movement motion sickness if you do it like that. Uh, mm. So that kind of I understand why they're doing it, but I was still, you know, sometimes I was looking in a way that looking slightly to the side to where i wanted to go so the motion sickness was still in here maybe i would have gotten used to it but after about like 10 15 minutes i was like okay i can't you know i i feel like i'm going to puke so um <laughs> so i didn't keep between that and the fact that it was even more scary um i sort of i stopped it but um but it it i think it achieves what it's setting out to do which is kind of an accomplishment for this game which i think many people were not super hyped about sort of maybe doubtful about so um yeah it seems at least that it's working out and then it seems like there is a lot of the traditional resident evil uh you know not even i don't want to say puzzle mechanics but like find uh, uh, some jewel that you have to place somewhere or a key that you use to open something that makes allows you to go a little bit farther that way and then you find something that you go back with and you know these kinds of uh, uh, gameplay mechanics of exploration almost Um, but yeah so Resident Evil doesn't seem bad and uh, according to both of us it is freaking scary so there you go Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes you downloaded it and then uninstalled it immediately I'm really curious to know why
1: um So I know that it's a game that has kind of the the gacha aspect of like randomness. So uh, I played Fire Emblem Awakening, so I know all the characters and I care about the characters. And I know that if I played it, I would just be like, I'd I'd just be trying to get the the characters that I want. And I don't know, I I really like mobile games. Um, And I think there are so many mobile games out there that reward you for playing rather than just sort of like coyly hide the things you want um to make you play longer uh and i don't know um i still need to get around to playing the latest fire emblem game uh Mm. fates fates yeah yeah um and i think i would have a better experience with that um I might I might get round to playing Fire Emblem Heroes, uh, but at the moment, um, my phone's all full up of like photos and games and music, um, and yeah. So yeah, for now, for now, I'm just keeping to the games I already have, um, the games that are sort of, uh, I guess, that don't require quite enough, uh, quite as much um, involvement. That sounds really stupid, but like when when I'm on transport and I'm playing mobile games, it tends to be that I just want someone to something to distract me a little bit. Um, so what do you so play can, when
0: in those situations?
1: Um so my main mobile game that I've had for at least 3 years is uh 3s.
0: Oh, wow. um, okay, these kinds of games, I see.
1: Yeah. Uh like sometimes a bit a bit more complicated. Like I had Sorcery for a while. Um But if I was playing sorcery on a train, I would usually miss my stop and then be like, oh, no, (laughs) Um, And that's the kind of thing. I mean, Uh, I've got I just downloaded Dandy Dungeon, which is um, really interesting, but I don't think it's a game I can recommend to everyone purely because it's it's so involved in the game dev process. Like the the jokes that come out of it are based on kind of understanding game development. So it's, it's not a game that's going to appeal to most people, but right. it is really, really good.
0: Mm. good. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I understand your feelings towards uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, especially if you're a fan of the original game and you mm. always have your 3D or, you know, you, you love your 3DS. Um, yeah. It definitely feels like it's, it's not the worst example of the free-to-play uh, genre, But it certainly is in that category. And and I think it's good that Nintendo is going with a pay-to-play model for Mario, um, Mm -hmm. which has huge appeal. And so from a financial standpoint, they're going to, you know, a a lot of people are going to give it a try anyway and might be willing to pay a little bit of money to play it. Whereas... Fire Emblem Heroes if you're talking to a crowd of uh you know smartphone users they're probably not going to have heard of it so they might not even want to uh download it if they know that you need to pay for it um if you need to pay for it, to play it in the long run. But they might be willing to if it's a free-to-play game. So I commend Nintendo for trying to, you know, different business models and adapting the business model to the game and the audience for that game on, on smartphone. I think it would have been misguided. Well, I don't know. I would have preferred it if you just paid for it and that was it. But mm. I think it wouldn't have achieved uh, the best financial results, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the game uh, is pretty good. It feels like a faithful rendition of what Fire Emblem is, adapted to the um uh you know the medium of the smartphone and I don't know how much I guess it will rest. I haven't played it a ton. I've played it a little bit, and it will rest on how much you know if it's whether or not it's paid to win like if you mm. have a chance to get the character you like and the, that character is fun because you know them i think it's fine if the characters that are rare are super powerful and allow you to go through missions that you wouldn't really have been able to go through if you had if you only have regular characters then i have a problem with it um yeah. maybe it's a little bit too early um to decide that yet but that is my concern there and uh but but the the mechanics of it for the first few mission- missions have, I've played, for someone like me who doesn't really like the complexity of Fire Emblem, it seems like the beginning at least is simple enough that I'm like, oh, all right, you know, the blue beats green and green beats red and red beats blue. And that's fine. Oh, and the Flyers, they are at a disadvantage uh, against the, the the bow people, the bowmen, <laughs> the arrow, the the guys that use arrows. Um <laughs> So I mean that it felt like a, a decent introduction into that universe. So I wonder I'm going to try it a little bit more. Um Okay. So that's my impression on that thing. <laughs> so there you go. Um all right, the series of announcement for future games. Uh first of all, Tekken 7, as I said, I'm a huge fan of the series, and uh, we were sort of thinking it might not come out at the beginning of the year as they had initially promised, but uh, it's been confirmed for June 2nd, and uh, they there were a couple of uh, uh, mentions around this. First of all, um, Harada, Katsuhiro Harada, the producer, mentioned that they didn't want the game to come out uh, broken like some other games did, some other fighting Ooh. games did, which... Okay. Is Yeah, that's kind of a shot across the bow of Street Fighter V, which is weird because they are good friends. You know, the um, mm. producers of both of those, uh, uh, Yoshi Oriono and Katsuhiro Harada are good friends. And they, you know, there's uh, Akuma coming to Tekken and stuff like that. But anyway, it was fair. So maybe it was in in, you know, a little bit of poking to his friend. Um, mm-hmm. they, they did mention all of the classic characters are going to be available for free and you might get, that implies you might get some different characters available for pay. Uh, but the roster is pretty big already and you get a uh, narcoleptic vampire if you pre-order the <laughs> game. I don't see why you wouldn't do it. Um, and um, And what else? Yeah, it's just, you know, the trailer, I don't know, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out because it is the core essence of what Tekken is, by which I mean you have a scene, like a nostalgic scene of Heihachi training his son, Kazuya, who's still a kid and Kazuya is trying, you know, to punch him and he's like obviously way too small to, um to, to do anything to his dad. And so he punches him three times and then Kazuya gets annoyed and kicks him in the face in the most brutal child abuse way you can imagine and if you know anything about that uh well it's not that brutal it's just comic-y comic brutal Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and if yeah it's not like he's bleeding and uh, on the floor or something no it's more like the the good spirited humor of that series where you know that you know later in the story kazuya throws him in uh, uh, like a canyon and then Heihachi didn't die, but survives and comes back and throws him in the volcano. And it's like, it's this ridiculous, over-the-top, cheesy uh, spirit that they've developed over the years that seems very present in this game still. And uh, as we've said many times, uh, Tekken is, you know, the most successful uh, gaming fighting uh, franchise in the world. And uh, it looks like Tekken 7 is gearing up to be a pretty good one as well, with some sides of single-player enjoyment as well, maybe in the way that uh, Mortal Kombat or Injustice uh, managed to do, which Street Fighter or even uh, uh, King of Fighters don't achieve. So I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I might just for kicks, make the illustration of this episode uh, Tekken related. I, it's just you know, <laughs> just for me. I I'm doing me for now. Um, so yeah, Tekken. I'm guessing you were saying you're not a big fighting game fan.
1: Um. Yeah. I, I I tried to get into it. I I did a stream the other day with I think the second best Street Fighter Five player in the UK. And I was like, well, if anyone can teach me how to enjoy this game, it's going to be this guy. Um, But I I don't think he was interested in in making me (laughs) like the game. Um, Did he just beat you over and over? He wasn't wasn't letting me win, which is good. Like, that's fine. Um, I think I won a couple of matches against uh, the other guy on the stream. Um, But he probably let me win. I don't know. I don't but you know, know that's
0: not. So there are a couple of things here, and I think a lot of people are in your situation that they've never been into fighting games, and maybe they're looking at it because there's a little bit of a resurgence there. Um, first of all, playing against someone that's ten times stronger, better than you is not. Especially if they're not teaching you, if they're just being you, that's not going to be fun. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, so it, probably it's easier or better to play with someone who's either at your level. Or, you know, trying to teach you how it goes. But even that, I wouldn't say, you know, for the introduction, they're going to try and teach you, like, all the intricacies of the gameplay, which is infinitely complex, and that's Mm -hmm. not going to be fun. Um, So play with someone who's just as bad as you is the way to go, I think. But on Tekken specifically, the really fun thing is that even if you're a newcomer, unlike in the 2D games like Street Fighter or uh, King of Fighters or many others... You can, have, you can do fun things by just mashing the buttons, and that's how everyone starts. Initially, you're just mashing the buttons, trying out, you know, the same cheesy technique over and over again because you found that one kick, which is really cool, and Tekken has that in a way that many other games don't. Um, you found you find the goofy character you like, and you find the different you know uh, uh moves that you enjoy, and you do them over and over again, and your friends get super annoyed because unless they they specifically know, know how to counter them, they're gonna get you know uh, beaten by it as much as they're gonna be able to beat you. So I think Tekken really has a potential for uh, uh being the game that people like you can uh, enjoy in that fighting game genre. So I would really encourage you to try it out when it comes out. Okay. You, you'll come back and let me know how, what you think about it. Just, you know, <laughs> get a few friends who've never played the game. Uh, get, you know, some pizza and, and unhealthy food and drinks and just sit down for a couple of hours, play that game. I'm sure you're going to have a good time. That's exactly the, the type of setting you should uh, you should enjoy that game with. Yeah. Um, all right uh warner bros uh, warner brothers have announced that they will announce a game on march 8th and i don't usually cover these kinds of teasers i think they're you know uh, clickbaity and whatever but in this case i'm really intrigued because so it's going to be march 8th as i said it's more than a month away but still the the graphics of the teaser are sort of implying that it's it would be either we're guessing it's going to be either a new batman game or shadow of mordor 2 which i can't wait for uh do you have a theory about uh what it could be
1: uh no i i'd be excited about shadow of mordor 2
0: oh did, are you nice. part of the crowd that liked it like me the first one
1: um i liked its ideas let's say that um <laughs> i i think it has the potential to be either a really good lord of the rings game of which i don't think there are that many Mm -hmm. or just to like the mechanic of of the nemesis system has really interesting potential and if they made an rpg that i actually enjoyed then it it would be really good like imagine imagine the nemesis system in something like dragon age that'd be great
0: but that's (laughs) not what i want I want no. Shadow of Mordor with a better nemesis system. Like it's very actiony. Um, I mean, yeah. sure, it could be taken again in another game, but I I don't want Shadow of Mordor to all of a sudden become an RPG. Mm. I don't think okay. it's going to. But uh, mm. okay. But I I see it. It was yeah. It had its flaws. I I will admit that. Um, what about Batman? We're we just uh, uh, <laughs> we had the uh, Arkham Knight a year ago or so. Um, yeah, I think it's too early for a new Arkham game from Warner Bros. Right, Warner Brothers.
1: Um, if they're gonna if they're gonna make a good one, then yeah, I'd like to see them <laughs> put a couple more years into it. Um, I guess I liked the last one. Uh, it had some some flaws, but uh, generally it was it was quite nice. It felt sort of weighty and the combat was i think maybe overcomplicated for me but uh i don't know i i'm i'm not super into fancy combat like like batman has um
0: so that's why you didn't like shadow of mordor because it's basically the same system i love it but uh, yeah hmm.
1: yeah um i i tend to prefer sort of old school combat generally where it's like you know swords uh and i was going to say shields but i don't use a shield ever Um, If you're using a shield, you're not hitting them hard enough. (laughs) Generally my approach. Um, Maybe like a medieval Batman. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Ooh. Yeah. Batman with swords. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't kill people. That's
0: Shadow of Mordor. What are are you talking about? That's that's what it is. Shadow of Mordor is basically medieval Batman.
1: Oh, yeah, I guess. You you need to take another look
0: at that game. Maybe I do. I didn't play um, it very long. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you don't like Batman, there's no way you're going to like the Shadow of Mordor system yeah. because the they, moment-to-moment gameplay is still very much that same combat system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I think it's too early for uh, Batman and uh, I really hope it's Shadow of Mordor 2, which I've been uh, clamoring for for a few months or maybe a couple of years now. Um, yeah. But we'll see, we'll see. Maybe it's going to be something entirely different, but I didn't want to mention it um mm-hmm. there's a new need for speed game coming soon that's kind of a whatever for me um bioware's yeah. next series in launching in march 2018 so in a year from now and uh, it's an entirely new series which we haven't heard anything about that really has me intrigued and, and you know you seem to like rpg so i'm guessing you uh, you as well
1: yeah, I, I love BioWare, so... <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: So it's an action-adventure, not an RPG. And mm-hmm. uh, they're saying, you know, all of the uh, big things that people usually say, like the great RPG character development and story progression that BioWare is known for uh, mm-hmm. is what the fans are expecting. And uh, they they said they've been working on it since uh, 2012. So... There you go.
1: Okay. That's a long Mm. time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, since 2012, it comes out in 2018. That's six years of development. That has to be good, right? That's how it works. I mean,
1: uh, since 2012, they have released Dragon Age Inquisition. Was Mass Effect 3 that long ago?
0: Yeah. I don't remember. Well, it was was after 2012, for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, They've done DLC uh they've been working on mass effect andromeda so i wouldn't be surprised if you know they say we've been working on it since 2012 but it's kind of been like oh we'll we'll put it aside for a bit because we have to do this instead so maybe they haven't been like working on it solidly or maybe they have i don't know mm. <laughs> i'm just guessing anyway um but yeah uh, that's a long time to work on anything i hope it's good
0: <laughs> yeah uh mass effect 3 was actually 2012 early 2012 i yeah? thought it was after that okay. wow it's been so long holy crap yeah. it's been five years Wow, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Mass Effect 3 was five years ago. Yeah. All right, well, I guess (laughs) it is time for something new. Um, And uh, the other big news is the um, announcement that Marvel is going to be working with Square Enix on a multi-game franchise. That is really exciting. I mean, obviously, it's going to be centered around the Avengers... And um, Square Enix is apparently getting uh, Crystal Dynamics and uh, Eidos Montreal, which, as mm. you know, worked on um, Tomb Raider, the, the reboot, and uh, Deus Ex. Uh, so that might mean... Uh, what I've heard is that, uh, shadow of the tomb Raider is being taken away from crystal dynamics and given to Eidos Montreal, uh, to finish shadow of the, of the tomb Raider is the rumored title for the sequel to shadow of the tomb Raider. Um, but so that move also means that we're probably not going to see a, a, sequel to DSX, a third episode and, uh, the disappointing sales of that title, uh, mankind divided this year well, or last year, I guess. Um, Um, Might support that theory, Uh, but still that means Crystal Dynamics and ADOS ultimately are going to be working on a series of games in that, uh, I guess what we can call a Marvel gaming universe uh, Mm. centered around the Avengers that have to reassemble after some kind of catastrophic event god knows what happened there but uh we don't know how linked they're going to be together we don't know well anything really about the games but uh the studios are good uh marvel has a very well-oiled machine by now so i'm hopeful
1: yeah i mean i'd be interested to see what kind of game it is because square has such a range of games like is it is it gonna be like a just cause game Because that would be weird or cool. (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, I I, uh, as long as they don't take it too seriously. Because I think that's the problem with most um, superhero games is that they're like very very serious. They're like, oh yeah, you know, there's nothing fun about being a superhero. It's a lot of responsibility. And then like, uh, I really enjoyed Lego Marvel Superheroes because it didn't do that. It was it was silly and, and sweet. Um, But it had moments of seriousness still, and I think that's possible. I'd like to see Square doing something more like that, I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, certainly what Marvel does is make sure they try and strike the right balance. I mean, everyone has different opinions about their movies, but most people seem to like them. But they strike the right balance between serious and goofy, or serious and fun. I would hope they do the same things in in the... games uh given the success of the movies i would suspect that they would do that and um uh, and for the style of the games it's uh you know crystal dynamics it would be weird if they made i mean maybe the kind of game that tomb raider is into a marvel game but with some twists i don't know but that that is what seems to be uh their expertise and ados did as we mentioned the uh uh DSX, which could work in a superhero universe as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is this seems to be in the spirit of what they've been doing at Marvel for video games since uh the in the past couple of years, which is get together, you know, get rid of all of the uh mediocre players and games uh, and and work with serious partners they they've been working with telltale we've seen that trailer for the spider-man game which was very exciting uh or seemed at least like it was creating something interesting um so yeah i think i'm i'm cautiously optimistic here obviously we're not going to see anything about this for a very long time they're not going to be coming out anytime soon uh but this is a positive announcement for me. I think it, it sounds like something that could work out. Yeah. Um, EVO 2017, um, The big fighting game competition is going to be headlining Street Fighter V, Tekken 7, Super Smash Bros. Wii U, and Super Smash Bros. Melee, the game that never dies, King of Fighters 14, and Injustice 2. So that's going to be exciting. Evo is always super exciting, uh, as you guys all know, because I talk about it every year. Uh, And it's always A special moment in the esports season because fighting games, again, as I often say, have this weird quality where they're very diverse. The fans, the players, the champions, everyone is from everywhere around the world, unlike uh, FPSs or RTSs, which are predominantly uh, Western and, um, and Asian. And this is sort of leads us into another discussion, which I don't want to get too deep uh, politically into, but we do have to mention, um, as you guys know, I do have a political podcast called The Phileas Club, so if you want to talk about that, go listen to that show, I I talk about this at length, uh, about, you know, the political aspect, but... Uh, The ban for uh, the travel ban for the U.S., the uh, hashtag Muslim ban for the U.S. does have implications, direct implications in the games industry. Uh, There were uh, implications for GDC where some people were not allowed to go. Now, this seems to have been cleared out with the dual nationalities and green card uh, holders being allowed uh, to travel again. Um, But still, for things like Evo and stuff like that, Some people come from different places. And in general, for the um, industry as a whole, this idea that uh, immigration is going to be thwarted or be made more difficult uh, does have an impact. And a number of companies and uh, CEOs from gaming companies have expressed that concern, maybe not specifically about this ban, but putting forth the idea that immigration is key to their industry uh, we've seen statements from Insomniac games from uh, mike moheim at blizzard and from a few others developer digital has offered to host games uh from developers that were blocked from attending gdc because of the travel ban i don't know what the status is there with the um with the the Lifting of the of the restrictions on on the dual nationalities and the green card holders and stuff like that, but it's definitely a concern in the industry. And I don't know how much more there is to say about it, but um, maybe you do have things to say, Kate.
1: Um, I mean, I'm I'm going to GDC, so
0: <laughs> you don't have nice. you don't have dual nationality <laughs> with one of the I, banned I countries. Don't. Do you? Um,
1: okay. Honestly. Like, honestly, uh, I, I don't tend to talk about politics much, but um, I am kind of terrified. Uh, I've had people say, like, at the border, just like, if they ask you your opinion, just don't <laughs> don't tell them, um, which is uh, terrifying. The idea that, like, I'm going to the US, which is like the UK, but bigger in my head. Um, <laughs> and, you know... I have to, like, lie about my political beliefs or I might get kicked out of the country. Um, That's scary in itself. And the fact that other people might not get in at all, despite the fact they've already maybe paid for their flights, their hotel. Um, If they've got a booth at GDC, they've already paid for that. Like, and then just not being allowed in. Um, I I don't know.
0: I think the concerns (laughs) are... I mean, as I said, the, the, the all of the political aspects of it are discussed in the Phyllis Club, so go listen to that if you want. But beyond what is reasonable concern and what is unreasonable concern, mm-hmm. I think this uh, trend that we're seeing uh, in the country, whether you're... Uh, Citizen of the U.S. or not, I mean, you you have the right to choose whatever policy you want to uh, put in place, and certainly that government was uh, voted in on a very clear agenda. Uh, Even if some people thought they wouldn't go through with it, it they said what they were going to do. But looking at it from the outside, I think it is also important, and I'm sure on the inside, it's you know, as we said, some of the American gaming companies have expressed concern, but the idea that uh, the trend, the perception of the country is going in that way I think should be noted and whether or not you know you think it's an exaggeration there might be exaggerations here and there but the impact on the image of the US is real and I think that Mm -hmm. is, you know, you might think well, F the image, we want to be safe and that's a I, okay i understand your your uh reasoning there and there would be a whole debate to have there about the safety as well but um whether or not you think f the image uh, we want to be safe or yeah this is a concern the image is being degraded so i don't know if that you know makes sense or not but that is the the way it's uh, it's starting to look from the outside looking in so there you go yeah <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, so uh, another uh, political aspect, which is a little bit more uh, positive, Valve and a few game publishers are facing antitrust uh, probe in the EU because of uh, geo geoblocking and uh, regional pricing. And that's interesting because I've mentioned a few times, I think on the show, that you get different prices depending where you are in the EU and Hmm. for, I don't know how it works when it's a digital product exactly. uh, But you're not supposed to have that when you're in the EU, you're supposed to have the same market and, and you know the you're supposed to be able to buy something in another country of the EU without having it being, you know, Oh, I, I will sell it to you. Uh, Uh, at a higher price because you're in that country of course if you sell something in two different countries you have you 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 can you know offer it for a certain price here and for a certain price there but if someone wants to go to that other country and buy it you can't prevent them from doing so so in a digital world that becomes very complicated because uh, what what Is the right way of doing it? Do you instate geo-blocking and then say, well, you're not there, but actually you should be able to? Anyway, it's very complicated. The EU is looking into it, but it might result in uh, down the line uh, unifying of the price structure on uh, game stores, virtual game stores. And I don't even know if that's a good thing because that might mean that you get higher prices in countries where people can't really afford to pay those higher prices. Uh, So I don't know. That's a a tough one. And I'm sure we'll be following it um, going forward. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Did you see that GameStop story on uh, Kotaku about how they're uh, doing their circle of life program? No. (laughs) Okay. So uh, let me try and explain it as best I can. Uh, Basically, they have always tried to push uh, pre-owned game sales because that mm-hmm. they have a much higher margin on those games than on new games. And uh, if I summarize it, basically, they now have four categories in which their uh, uh, staff is ranked. Uh, they have pre-ordered games, subscription for new games, uh, for new games and, and reward cards. Buying a used game, and, um, oh, I'm sorry, it's pre-order game uh, subscription. What am I saying? Pre-orders, reward card subscription, used game sales, and game trade-ins. And they have those four four, uh, uh, areas, and they should try to achieve a roughly equal uh, number of sales, you know, a, a gross number on each of those areas. So that means that if they sell too many um, new games or pre-orders, for example, they should try and uh, up their used game sales, which is a system that had been put in place a while ago, but since uh, late 2016 and now it's ramping up in 2017, uh, the circle of life numbers is apparently being put much uh, more in front for their evaluations and it's pushing some of the uh, staff to basically say that that you know they come to Reddit to a uh, specific uh, uh, subreddit to sort of give tips to each other to achieve their numbers and things like that. And some of the people are saying, "Well, if there's a new game that people want, you should probably tell them you don't have it because if you up your sales of of new games, then you're not going to meet your numbers for pre-owned." and I understand why the company would do it, but uh, because, you know, they make very little money on new games and a lot of money on pre-owned. But mm. this seems like the most misguided losing your, you know, the sight of your goal as a company and your primary, um, you know, business <laughs> uh to try and chase numbers specifically, which ultimately is going to result in bad customer experience, which is going to result in bad results for your company. I don't understand. Maybe I'm not seeing the full picture here, but it seems like a weird way to go about it.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get the feeling that they're not like the most friendly company anyway. So.
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and maybe that's what's needed in that environment because at least in France there they have uh, micromania, micromania, which is the equivalent of GameStop. They're owned by GameStop, uh, yeah. and they're the only ones left standing. You know, yeah, there were a number of chains uh, in different countries. I'm sure, in, I mean, in France at least, and they all went under. So. I don't know, maybe that's what needed. That's what's needed. Maybe you leave the thin margin sales of new games and new consoles on which they make basically nothing to Amazon and whoever people go to to buy those games cheaper and you sell uh, your customers' pre-owned games more than uh, other uh, retail outlets do to be able to keep your bottom line in the on the right side of the you know the color not fall in the red i don't know yeah
1: i mean we we have game here which is basically our only option and they've started diversifying the things the way they make money as well because like you say i don't think new games make that much money so they they've now got um they started charging for vr uh like you would go into the store and you would try it out for 15 minutes or like half an hour and they would charge you like 15 pounds for that, which is like a bit dodgy, but I, I guess they know that people aren't coming to try out VR because they want to buy it. They're coming to try it because they probably won't buy it. Right. And it's the only way they're going to get to try it out. Um, and they've now opened a shop in London. And I think they've got a few other locations. Um It's basically like, it's like an arcade, like a modern arcade. So you go in and, you pay an amount of money, and then you can go and play like Rocket League for an hour or whatever, mm. which is interesting. Uh, so
0: yeah. they basically <laughs> have an arcade with with console games.
1: Yes, uh, and there's I think there's VR there as well, and it's all like multiplayer stuff as well. So
0: yeah, that's yeah. that's an interesting approach actually. Dedicating a small space uh, somewhere to people coming in and try. I I wonder what game developers will have to say about this what the industry will have to say because for renting for the movie industry if you want to rent a dvd you have to pay a special to pay a special license uh, Mm -hmm. for the rental dvd which is different from the retail dvd that you want to buy yeah so i'm pretty sure (laughs) the industry is not going to be very happy with game using retail copies to or maybe they have agreements with uh, the the publishers. I doubt they yeah. do though.
1: I think they've got something with Sony. I can't remember exactly mm. what it was, but some kind of agreement or deal or whatever. Um, that maybe Sony's like sponsoring it for a for a short time, and then once that's over, they'll uh, do something else. I don't know.
0: Right? Would Would you go mm. and like start trying out some games in uh in a, a simile arcade store? With something like that?
1: Um, I don't think so. But that's probably for different reasons. Um, I don't know. I I can't imagine that I could get a band of friends together and convince them that we should go to Oxford Circus, <laughs> which is incredibly busy and loud and stressful, and play video games. It's like, hmm. that's that's not really the environment I enjoy playing video games in. So... Yeah, I'd rather just go to someone's house and play whatever they have.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I I could see this as a way of trying games you don't necessarily want to buy, though. Um, That could be interesting. And if you're younger, you want to go to an arcade, that could maybe work. Maybe. I mean, I used to work in a a, uh, retail store and we would have like a group of kids, maybe five or, sh- or six regulars would come in and play games all day, you know, for free and just stay there and play. And that was their thing. They would come after school or whatever and, um, and come and play. And I could see this being a draw for uh, kids like this, if it's not mm-hmm. too expensive or maybe.
1: Um, yeah. I can't remember the pricing. I think mm. it's probably affordable.
0: Yeah. Right. So maybe maybe it's kind of like, you know, the arcades have died and uh there have been some you know uh uh game cafes here and there where you go in and in in uh Korea they're super popular, uh but even even in Japan arcades aren't that that popular anymore. Um I don't know. I think it's just a nostalgic thing for me i would love for it to still exist but i don't know that it can that's an interesting mm. uh initiative though by game yeah <laughs> um all right a few more tidbits uh sony has sold more consoles last fall than uh in any quarter in playstation history is the exact uh headline by um by sony uh, by i'm sorry by polygon so if you were wondering how good the PlayStation 4 is doing. Well, pretty good. Uh, And uh, related to the PlayStation 4, the 4.5 upgrade uh, update for the system uh, is going to add a couple of things. First of all, support for uh, external hard drive, which that's something a lot of people have been uh, pining for, although changing a hard drive in the PS4 is relatively easy. So that's uh, not as needed as maybe uh, some in some other systems Uh, but it also is going to add the boost mode where the playstation pro is going to get older games um, maybe to run a little bit faster and to load a little bit faster so it's the the older games are going to have higher frame rates and stuff like that even if they haven't been uh, updated to take advantage of the power of the ps4 uh, the ps4 pro so It might be good for the three of you that have a PS4 Pro in there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of my friends seem to have a PS4 Pro.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all games journalists. Uh, Oh, well, there you go. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I uh, I don't know. Uh, I I don't even have a 4K TV, uh, so...
0: (laughs) That's it would the be waste for me it? but
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> i think unless you do there's really no reason i mean yes you can always justify it to yourself but it seems like this is a the, the main thing is 4k t- if you have a 4k tv then maybe if you don't maybe not but um yeah but this year a lot of people are going to be getting 4k tvs so at that point maybe um and uh do we want to talk about heroes of the dorm dropping espn for facebook that's that's an interesting one uh facebook has been pushing in video for a while now and they really want to become a destination for live video and they are going to be putting out uh, an app on the apple tv for live video and i'm guessing it's going to come out on other devices as well um so I feel like this is more a story about Facebook than it is about, uh, about heroes. But still, Facebook is pushing to become a destination for live video and for live uh, gaming events mm-hmm. uh, in the future. I don't know how much they can compete with Twitch. Certainly uh, uh, Google, I mean, YouTube doesn't seem to have managed to compete with Twitch in any significant manner. Can Facebook do it?
1: maybe Uh, i think interestingly the thing with facebook live is that it's it's catering to an audience that's already there twitch is very much uh people who are looking for that right it's people who are going to twitch already like uh, facebook has an older audience i would say so um for example i do some streams for the guardian which is You know, it's got this huge uh, Facebook following uh, just because people are like newspaper, news, 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 news. Right. So it it tends to skew older. Um, But we stream things about video games there. So we're getting this audience that would maybe not have been looking for that, but they're already there. Once they're already there, they just tune in. Because they don't really maybe understand what's going on. They're like, oh, what's this? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do that sometimes when I, when I see things like videos on Facebook. I'm like, oh, it moves.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's no, this? me too. Of course, I agree.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what's the yeah.
0: reception when you, when you stream? That's exactly, I think, the case, uh, the, the, the good case study for that. What's the reception when the Guardian's audience uh, is confronted with video game streams? What did, are they, I don't know, what, what do they do say?
1: Um, so because like I mentioned, it tends to skew older, uh, we get questions that are very different to the kind of questions you get on Twitch. When it, when you're on Twitch, people like, Oh, what graphics card do you have? And things like that. Or like, Oh, what's your current, um, weapon loadout? Uh, it's people who are, uh, used to game vocabulary. Whereas with, with, with the guardian and with Facebook, you get people going, wouldn't my grandson like this game? And, uh, oh, what game are you playing? Who are you? Uh, <laughs> which you get who are you on Twitch as well. So that's nothing new because people are very angry when they don't instantly recognize who you are. <laughs> um. Oh, anyway, um, so, yeah, it tends to be sort of people who aren't angry all the time. That's I, I get that a, a lot on Twitch. Yeah, or maybe they're angry about other, other things, things. Yeah. Um, but but they're know, not mad because we're playing it wrong or whatever.
0: Are they mad because you're playing video games and they don't understand why this is on the Guardians page?
1: Yeah, we get a lot of that. Uh, luckily, mm. it's filtered. Uh, we we have, I guess you could call them mods, people who are reading the comments and, and filtering those. Uh, so that we only get the good questions. That's good. Uh, whereas when I'm on Twitch, I'm having to do that myself, and I'm just reading all these people being horrible, and I'm like, okay, which one of those should I actually read out? Whereas on, on Facebook, and because we have mods, we don't – it's happening, but we don't get to see it. Like, I could go and watch the, the video back and read them all myself, but I'm not going to.
0: But you could do that theoretically on Twitch as well. It's just that you have more people, yeah. I'm guessing, on because you have the Guardians team. Um on the Facebook page. But that, you know, there are a couple of things there. First of all, in case it wasn't clear, the Facebook deal is exclusive from what I understand. So Heroes of the Dorm is going to be available only on Facebook this year. And the other thing is, it's kind of... There is a relatable aspect to Heroes of the Dorm already for people who aren't uh, into video games. If you haven't been following this uh, in the past, it's a tournament where different college kids from different colleges, like team uh, college teams, compete to win a prize which is going to be their tuition, which would be paid uh, by Blizzard. So... There is the college aspect of it and the college competition and the very human aspect of it, which is uh, can be a little bit more appealing to a, a a less video game savvy audience than a standard gaming competition where it's just a competition with teams, you know, whatever, Dignitas, uh, Envy, Envy Us and, and these teams, which mean nothing to a wider audience, whereas, uh, you know, for Heroes of the Dorm, you're going to have like uh, the University of Utah and the University of another state in the U.S., which people in the U.S. are going to relate to. You know, there's all of this, which I think makes it maybe a better fit for a Facebook audience than some other Gaming competitions, and that's what also made it a better fit for ESPN um, than maybe some other gaming competitions, which also are on on ESPN sometimes. But I, I think it might make sense in the end. And uh, if Facebook is accessible, easily accessible in many different places, if you don't necessarily need a Facebook account because some people hate that as I've heard on some shows I might or might not have listened to uh, about Heroes of the Storm. Um but mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, you just can go to a URL like Facebook.com slash heroes of the storm and you see that stream, then it's fine. You don't you don't care. You you launch the app, you watch it, you don't need the account, or you go through the web page. Uh that's I think not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, all right, last item is the game releases for uh this month. We've already talked about Fire Emblem uh Heroes. Neo is releasing tomorrow, that's very Japanese, very Dark Souls E. Um, For Honor is releasing on the 14th, Halo Wars on the 21st, Horizon Zero Dawn on the 28th, and uh, that's about it. There's Torment, uh, Tides of. Numenera, which I'm not necessarily going to talk about too much, but uh, anything that catches your eye in all of these?
1: Uh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nothing? Not even Horizon? I, I was sure you were going to say Horizon.
1: Um, it's it's one of those games that I'll maybe pick up later. Um, I, I don't think it's, it's something that I'm particularly worried about playing when everyone else is playing it. Uh, yeah. I'll see what people say about it. People have been saying good things so far. Um, but I'm I'm about to go away for like a month. So uh, it doesn't really make sense to pick up right. any new games right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're just kind of boring. That's a boring answer. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Um, I do have concerns about that game, though. Not for anything I've seen, but I think actually for the fact that I haven't seen a lot. And maybe I'm putting putting too much thought into this, but it seems to me like for a big game like this, if Sony was confident that it was a big release that could be very successful, they would push it more from a marketing standpoint. And it feels like they're not, we're not seeing a lot of it. Now we still have, you know, it's only a couple of weeks away for the release and maybe things are going to start happening now, but it doesn't look like it. And when a company... Sh- They're not shoveling it under the rug, but when a company isn't really pushing the game too much, it doesn't smell right to me, Mm -hmm. especially for this game, which has been the, you know, sort of planting their flags at E3 two years in a row or, you know, so I don't know. I'm I'm getting a little bit nervous about the game, but um, yeah.
1: I'm nervous about every game at the moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there isn't something yeah. that you're super excited about?
1: Um I want to say Zelda, but um oh god, I don't know. I'm worried about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm worried uh, about it too, but
1: uh Yeah. Like oh, I see I what they're trying to do with it, but I'm not sure if I agree.
0: So. Yeah. I I I know. Uh yeah. given your uh initial ramblings at the beginning of the show i'm gonna mm-hmm. say persona 5 You're oh excited yeah about of that
1: course. persona 5 um means i'm gonna have to like dig out my consoles god i haven't played anything on console in a while
0: uh, <laughs> oh that will be a chance persona yeah. 5 is coming out in what april ps4 there you go yeah yay if i still have a
1: ps4 <laughs> oh what, <laughs> what well i probably will that? i probably will um but like uh i don't know now i i I'll keep my PS4.
0: <laughs> well, at least until you, you're done with Persona Five, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'll still have my Wii U. Um,
0: that you can. I'll
1: probably yeah. put it in storage or something. That's fine, especially if you Switch.
0: have. Especially if you have a Switch. Yeah, I have yeah. to say I'm. Uh, to finish where we started, um, I'm still not convinced that the Switch is going to be a great console, but now that I have pre-ordered it for work it's always exciting to see a new console coming out so i'm sort of excited to try the new console but um yeah I, I think that might be more of the excitement of just it's a new console and it's nintendo than the actual qualities of the thing but uh but still i'm a little bit like ooh, it's a month away there's a new console coming out so that's yeah it's real soon yeah <laughs> All right, well, that is going to be it for us. um before we leave though uh, Kate, can you tell people where they can find you on the internet if they want more Kate Gray after this show?
1: Yes, um, I mean, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter where I'm at How not to draw uh I tend to be at How not to draw on everything else, so like Instagram Mastodon, if you're into that um what I, what is that? Yeah, Mastodon's like a Twitter, but nicer um (laughs) okay yeah i Um, I
0: know a lot of social network networks but i've never heard of that one i'm gonna go check it out you should
1: check it out it's nice um it's it's still being like tweaked so it's it's like using twitter in the early days okay um yeah but it's it's really nice there uh everyone's friendlier generally nice um What else? What else do I have? Uh, You can listen to my podcast, which is Taku Podcast. You can search for that on Twitter and it should come up. There's a lot of um, Taku Podcasts because it turns out it's a Japanese um, thing. It's like a type of TV show or something. We didn't research the name before we called it that. But you can tell which one we are because our our logo is pink and the rest aren't. So, (laughs) yeah uh, so well, my, i think that's everything
0: yeah yeah cool <laughs> my logo my logos are, are pink as well pinkish so i approve Um, All right. well thank you very much Kate Uh, I am not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook and uh, you can find this show at frenchspin.com if you wish to support us you can go leave a comment or a review on uh, iTunes or any other uh, podcast catalog you frequent and um, we will see you in another couple of weeks I guess thanks for listening and talk to you then bye bye